0: For the better part of the last decade, science fiction finally evolved from a niche genre into a mainstream staple. And while many people are familiar with the so-called fathers and grandfathers of genre, the women who have been instrumental in creating and shaping the nerdverse have largely gone unrecognized. Until today. I'm Courtney Enloe, and this is Sci-Fi Wire Fangirls, Forgotten Women of Genre, a podcast where we tell the stories of the women who helped some of the most famous fantasy worlds become a reality. The United States Treasury Department presents The Adventures of Superman. than a speeding bullet, more powerful than a locomotive, able to leap tall buildings at a single... From his first appearance in 1938, Superman was perfect, impervious to weapons, dedicated to the good of mankind, a polite upstanding big blue Boy Scout sent to Earth as a beacon of hope, the original social justice warrior. it would take years for someone to finally decide that perfect is boring, and Superman needed a fatal flaw, the one thing that could destroy him and render him invulnerable. That thing was kryptonite, and the woman who brought it to the comics and to superlore as we know it was Dorothy Woolfolk. As an editor at DC, Woolfolk faced relentless criticism and misogyny, her impact diminished and dismissed at every turn by the men annoyed and threatened by her. In fact, the editor who replaced her at DC included a version of Wolfolk in a panel on Wonder Woman and immediately killed her via sniper. You know, like normal people do. The treatment she endured from simply existing as a woman in the comics field is something still experienced today. But Wolfolk is more than a footnote and far beyond a mere cautionary tale of harassment as remembered by comics artist Alan Kupperberg to whom Wolfolk assigned his first four-color one-pager. Dorothy Woolfolk really was something. She was a good-time Charlie. She must have said a lot of tongues a-cluck. But she was no flake and not a fink. To me, she was Tallulah Bankhead, the anti-mame of comics. According to Wikipedia, Dorothy Wolfolk's entire early life and education can be summed up in one sentence. Admittedly, it is one very good sentence. Quote: Born Dorothy Rubacek, Wolfolk was a New York City high school graduate who never attended college but nonetheless won prizes on a 1950s television game show. Honestly, I'd be fine ending the podcast right there on that note, but there is so much more to say on the subject of Dorothy Wolfolk. She grew up in New York and graduated high school at 15. She was not a comics reader, though she and her future career made sense together, as she explained to Florida Today. I never read a comic. My friends and I were always writing little plays, and being an actress dealt with dialogue. So I think comics were natural for me. Her obituary says she never attended college, but her Florida Today interview mentions she received a degree in English literature from Columbia University. She also spent a year as an actress with the New York Repertory Company. Her first marriage wasn't ideal, as she described to Florida today. I married a no-good son of a millionaire who was a Florida fruit shipper. She married again to Walter Galley, a comic strip cartoonist and comic book writer. She met her third husband, William Woolfolk, when she rejected a script he'd written for Superman, which is our kind of meat cute truly. This woman is our queen. She had two children, Donald and Donna. I told you it's kryptonite, Superman. little souvenir for the old hometown. I spared no expense to make you feel right at home. In the 1940s, Woolfolk served as an editor at All-American Publications, which would eventually be one of the three companies that merged to form DC. Then at Timely Comics, which would eventually become Marvel as well as entertaining comics, putting her touch on three of the most important comics entities at the time. But beyond her work as an editor, she also scripted comics, including Wonder Woman, making her one of the first women to write the character. When discussing the golden age of comics, it can be difficult to parse who did what, as writers, artists, and editors were usually uncredited. While this is definitely an issue to comics historians, This had an even greater impact on marginalized creators whose contributions were ignored by their peers and colleagues. But here's what we know. The concept of kryptonite first appeared in 1945 in an episode of The Adventures of Superman, though it wasn't called kryptonite until 1947. Woolfolk is responsible for introducing it into the comics. She told Florida Today, The problem with Superman was that he was too invulnerable. I was racking my brains one night, and I said, well, if he came from Krypton, and if anyone has a piece of kryptonite, then he is helpless. When Lois Lane first debuted, it was 1938. Due to World War II and the need for work outside the home, women were being portrayed as empowered and competent with career goals, and as such, so was Lois Lane. But when the war was over, to many, so was the need for women to be anywhere but the kitchen. So went Lois. I'm sorry. I mean Superman's girlfriend, Lois Lane, the marriage-obsessed harpy, simply desperate for a super ring on her delicate ladyfinger. But in the 60s and 70s, that shifted again. Woolfolk did a seven-issue run on Superman's girlfriend, Lois Lane, during which Lois embraced feminism and finally broke up with that boring blue boy scout, no longer wanting to live in his shadow. She had female friends rather than more of that dull girl-versus-girl catfight relationship with Lana Lang. Woolfolk told Florida Today, I decided that Lois had to be a liberated woman and that we had to have Black characters. I won't say it was before their time because the National Organization for Women had been formed and we had Martin Luther King and Robert Kennedy. I felt it was time to break these barriers. But after those seven issues and being set to take over as editor for Wonder Woman, Woolfolk left D.C., According to D.C.'s iconic Silver Age editor Carmine Infantino, he fired her because she was always late and unable to maintain a deadline. But according to Tim Hanley, writer of Investigating Lois Lane, that does not appear to be true. She hit every deadline and increased output when she took over. In 2016, Hanley told Newsarama that while Wolfolk's time was short, she single-handedly brought women's lib to DC Comics, and she deserves to be remembered for that. I hope you're sitting because this part will truly shock you. It turns out that a feminist woman writing a feminist character in a comic book can sometimes lead to some angry fan outcry. Excuse me while I pick myself up off my swooning couch and attempt to continue. As one man wrote in the letters column, I must agree with those readers who feel Lois has become much too oriented towards social causes, minority groups, and so on. This applies to Lois's women's lib convictions. I'm sure the great majority of both men and women readers would not like her as a militant women's lib extremist. Why must every issue allude to women's lib? I can't tell you how boring the subject has become. Oh boy, who's heard that one before? In response to this sizable outcry, D.C. began what was, in theory, to be an open forum on women's lib. Instead, it was pretty much exactly what you think it's going to be. This mystery columnist who operated under the pseudonym Alexander the Great had some very strong feelings about this whole a women's lib thing. Some of his very important work can be found in Hanley's book, Investigating Lois Lane, and I'll read some of it for you now. Ahem. Let's face it, she's always been such an obnoxious dame. Is it possible for anyone, superhuman or not, to deal with such a personality? I don't think so. Women should know their place. Lois has never known hers. Superman should take a stand and put Lois in the place she deserves to be put in. I agree with you that any gal who gives up what Lois gave up must have a screw loose. Women keep marching and protesting for more rights, but the ones who have the rights take them for granted. Lois apparently never appreciated what she had, a good job and a great guy. So he bosses her around. So what? Maybe she's gone into a second childhood, trying to be hip and not care about the solid things in life. Maybe she's just a loser and doesn't want to face it. Hanley questions if perhaps Alexander the Great's sexism was ironic or over the top on purpose. Alexander once replied to a story complaint by saying, As for the issue being a mess, it was edited by a woman. Bleh. For those of us with access to Twitter, our feelings about misogyny, both real and ironic, can best be expressed in the words of Alexander the Great. Bleck. But Wolfolk's backlash wasn't just from comics readers. All too often, the call was coming from inside the house. As Kupperberg wrote in a blog post after her death, the boys club always snickered behind her back. Dingling, Wolfgang, Dotty Dorothy, and worse. Outside the obvious basic sexism at play at all-male DC, I think another reason Dorothy was not very respected comes back to the no-running-in-the-halls-at-DC mentality. This was made very clear thanks to Robert Kaniger, the Silver Age editor who was brought back to replace folk on Wonder Woman before she could even begin. On the very first page of Wonder Woman 204, a woman is seen slumped over a desk a bullet hole having pierced the window behind her. The panel reads, At 12.01, the sniper's first bullet fells Dottie Cottonman, Women's Magazine editor. Dottie Cottonman was clearly Dorothy Woolfolk. I'd love to tell you how much has changed since Wolfolk's time helming Superman. That women are at long last treated as equals in the comics industry that male readers are less quick to judge feminism as a personal affront to them, that female comics writers no longer face undue and unfair criticism, harassment, and abuse. But we know that's not true. That's not the world we live in. Yet. But thanks to women like Dorothy Woolfolk who came first, things are getting better. Bit by bit, slowly but surely, the game is changing for women in comics. And we like to think every time Gail Simone calls out old, tired comics tropes, or Kelly Sue DeConnick relishes in making people uncomfortable so that her daughter never has to. Somewhere, Dorothy Woolfolk is smiling. Forgotten Women of Genre is a production of Sci-Fi Wire Fan Girls. Today's episode was written and read by Courtney Enlow and produced by Cher Martinetti. You can find the script of this episode and so much more at scififangirls.com. Follow us on Twitter and Instagram at scififangirls.